Okay, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, scumbags, and everyone else in between, y'all know what time it is, because so do I. It is time for the Football Misfits, home of the Football Misfits, episode 144. Now, you may have forgotten this voice that you're hearing because I was gone last week. Have no fear. I will reintroduce myself as I always do. I go by the name of LV, a.k.a. Paper Fronto, a.k.a. Marini's Black Bottom, a.k.a. Buck Nasty. Sad Spurs fan? Not until the season starts, y'all. We'll see what happens. Neither here nor there. And of course, this would not be the Football Misfits unless I had the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Misfits himself, Mr. On Location, as it seems in the year 2023 himself. He's currently in Atlanta, y'all. Give a warm welcome to the one, the only. His name is Ronnie, and so we'll call him that. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. Yeah, what is good for the one time, man? Yo, this city is so hot. I am the melting misfit. Uh, stay true to its hot lantern name. Stay strong. Be brave. Melting with a mouthful of Zaxby's. Must be nice. Neither here nor there. <laughs> and of course, the other misfit, the data misfit. Spencer Tino Perez, Spencer Romano, Spencer Spencer Povich, the man at the data desk, the undeniable, his sources are next to none. That's right, you heard it best. He's at the data desk tonight for us, keeping it real and keeping it factual as he does. I'm talking about none other than Spencer. Spencer, say what's good for the one time. What's going on, place and playettes? No, I'm kidding. What's going on, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> Shout out to the players and the playettes all around the world. All around the world. Uh, peace and love, peace and love. So we'll, we'll talk about the data desk malfunctioning in a little bit. Now, you know, that's one thing that I don't think the data desk is possible of doing. He is a machine, of course, unless you've ever seen him in person, which I, I can't say that many have, uh, besides Fiorentino Perez, of course, and the owners of Liverpool. And of course, one for Brisa Romano. Yeah, we're talking to you, buddy. That's right. I'm not, that's my guy. All the respect. I want no smoke. Yep, the well, but I do. But I do, Spencer. You got to ride out with me, buddy. Defamation that, Fabrizio. Neither here nor there. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just allegedly. Just kidding. With that being said, um, I'm back and I'm already causing bullshit. So let's put things back on an even keel. Ryan Spence, um, this offseason, as far as clubs go, uh, is... Uh, upon us and has been upon us. But that being said, there's been many an international competition, specifically here stateside, where the matches come on the same time as uh, the evening baseball kickoffs that nobody uh, is seemingly watching except Ronnie. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. Where do you guys want to start with that being said? <laughs> Good luck with everything on the Guangdong Dragons. That's crazy. Um, oh, chill, chill, break, break, chill. <laughs> um, uh, relax. Um, <laughs> and I quote, and I the question is alive and well. Uh, we last <laughs> we were talking about the opening match of the Gold Cup and Honduras uh, bending over backwards for Mexico. Uh, let's get to the relax. Gold Cup. Relax, relax. I could say that. Yes, you can. You know what? You're right. And let's get let's go ahead and start with the Gold Cup, as Ronnie just gave us uh, an explicit image of what Honduras was getting into. Unfortunately for him, and by extension, unfortunately for us, uh, 
match day two. Well, well, the rest of match day one is what we probably should just quickly uh, yes. clean and get out yes, of here. When we were recording, we were in the middle of Mexico-Honduras, and at the time it was 3 nothing, and it ended 4. I would say the biggest surprises of the group stage is how lackluster both Costa Rica and Canada have been, more so Canada. Costa Rica, they're old as dirt. We already discussed it. And the age is showing. Shouts to Brian Ruiz, Costa Rican legend. He's doing commentary now. But Canada, they've just been so lackluster. The game against Guadalupe, they did score a pair of goals, courtesy of Cavallini and Richie Lorea. The Spanish commentary, by the way, loves saying that last name. Lorea. And the Guadalupe, they took advantage of an own goal late in the death to seal the equalizer. They're actually another surprise, Guadalupe. They are, last check, top the table. Yep, definitely top of the table. Canada sits in third. Shocker for sure. Definitely. Now, the one thing about Group D, oh, at match day two, Guatemala and Canada drew scoreless. Guadalupe beat Cuba. Canada would be washing Cuba. So, by default, one of Guadalupe and Guatemala will advance and the other will stay home unless Canada shits the bed against Cuba. And if they do that, strip the World Cup from them. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think uh, if we're going to go on the theme of shockers, absolutely, you hit it on the head. With uh, this Canada team who we've been gassing up for the better part of 18 months, and deservedly so, but they've been absolutely lackluster, it seems, in this CONCACAF Gold Cup, which is, yes, surprising for sure. For me, I would probably go with how good Mexico have looked. Yes, we know the Gold Cup competition, specifically um, in Mexico's group, hasn't been it depends on how you look at it with haiti qatar and honduras as intense as it could be and the gold cup does seem to heat up in the knockout rounds but i will but we are currently recording in the middle of the two simultaneous matches mexico against qatar in california and honduras versus haiti in north carolina yep yep and currently uh at the beginning stages of the match at least for, um for mexico where it's nil nil neither here nor there what i will say is and i and i know you guys alluded to it last week where i was gone mexico sort of putting out uh, a slightly younger squad uh which i'm appreciative of the i have been showing julian arajo the new barcelona fullback and it's also the way in which they've been winning matches the way in which they've been dominating matches and the way in which that they've been just looking alive. And that is something that we have not seen from Mexico in God knows how long, probably as long as we've been giving Canada some praise, maybe even longer. Um, so my big shocker of this past week and this Gold Cup tournament in general just seems to be how Mexico have been playing. Uh, if we go ahead and look at the group, obviously they're sitting up top uh, playing the, their match against Qatar as we speak on the day of recording. Uh, they have no losses. They have seven goals scored. Sorry, Ronnie. Well, most of them against uh, Honduras. But uh, Haiti caught some of those as well. Don't get it twisted. And they've only conceded one goal this entire tournament. Mexico putting on a show since sacking poor guy Coca, who didn't get many matches in charge. Uh, but that would not matter. They seem to be clicking at the right time. And I mean, I'm kind of eating a lot of the words that I've, well, I won't say I've been eating a lot of the words because they have absolutely proved me right in many a tournament. But Mexico, I don't know, very, very surprising. And, um, for, for a stale ward and a staple of the CONCACAF uh, game, uh, it's nice to see. I don't know if their fans necessarily deserve it, at least the fans that show up to matches, because a lot of them have very shitty outlooks and very shitty attitudes. But Mexico. Mexico, 
Now, it's uh, the new manager bounce, if you will. Everyone is a favorite of Jaime Lozano, affectionately known as Jimmy Lozano, to the point where, like, everyone being on social media, be it Spanish broadcasts, they talk about hopping on the Lamborghini. Hey. <laughs> so they're they're definitely on, they're not on the Jimmy train, they're on the Lamborghini. <laughs> um, he's getting he's getting results and again you can only play what's in front of you so watching honduras and haiti comes with the territory this match yeah. might be the toughest match for mexico but they'll probably put a three or four on Qatar as well yeah we'll see how they do in the knockout stage yeah that's where we can kind of uh really assess how mexico looks and and not necessarily uh to the t but just kind of get a better glimpse and a better idea on how they're sort of going to reshape themselves as as a formidable uh side in this concacaf region but i do want to highlight how well they've been playing in these matches um just in the haiti match alone when i watched i mean they they had so many shots <laughs> it was ridiculous and the stats sort of back it up they they had 65% possession to haiti's 35 they had 500 over 500 passes to Haiti's 275. They had 32 shots to Haiti's six and 10 on target. So depending on how you look at it, I mean, they were just kind of throwing everything in the kitchen sink on Haiti. And the scoreline sort of reflected that. And it, and it could have been worse. And you could say the same against uh, Honduras. Um, again, sorry, Ronnie. But they just seemed to be looking alive and be it, you know, a manager, new manager of the bounce or what have you. It's there. And it's something, it's a spark that we haven't seen in Mexico in God knows how long. We shall see. We shall see how they do in the knockout stage, of course. That will determine, that will give us, a, a, I guess, a bit more of a, uh, a real, a more accurate, accurate uh, assessment on how Mexico are looking. But very impressive. Uh, I know we're, we're it's still way early days in regards to the 2026 World Cup. Again, it's being hosted by the three North American countries, USA, Canada, and Mexico. The U.S., despite all that's going on with the Federation and stuff like that, I feel like it's the most prepared for the 2026 World Cup when we come to it. Because looking at this right now, Mexico, they they have issues trying to, like, phase out the old guard with fresh blood. Yep. And when they do have fresh blood, they rarely play. I keep on mentioning Jimenez because last season, he proved to be a force at Feyenoord. He was one of their best attacking options. The fact that he doesn't even get a World Cup call-up and the fact that he's still on the bench. I know we talk about how he's not really playing well for the national team. He's not getting a shot damn near at the national team. He's starting right now, but, you know, let's keep that momentum. Start him more and you'll see that output at Feyenoord on the club level. Canada yeah. is, is apparently a shit show. <laughs> from, what <I'm> hearing, <laughs> from what I'm hearing about the Federation allegedly filing for bankruptcy. Please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> and how are you about to host a World Cup in two cities with no money? Sounds crazy. But even then, like, maybe finishing top of the World Cup qualifying group in CONCACAF for 2022 was an overachievement and a semifinal of the last Gold Cup in 2021. But this Canada side does not look the best. And it's also a side that's not featuring Davies or... Jonathan David or whatever, but they still have pretty good guys that should be taking care of business, but they're just not finding it. Yeah, yeah. And, so the yeah. U.S. is the only team based on this Gold Cup of the three host nations. 
that looks a pretty pretty okay. And this is a team that's, with all due respect, players that will stay on the bench. Yeah, I, I think absolutely well said in terms of Canada. You wonder if they uh, blew their load a little early, if you will, Paul. Um, but they definitely did a lot of potentially overachieving. But they, I mean, I don't know. Just a couple episodes ago, at least I was saying this this summer could have marked uh, the moment in which Canada really announced themselves as a as the powerhouse or one of the powerhouses in CONCACAF. And um, it's carrying that into the World Cup again. But with the asterisk, as you said, it being early days, obviously we have a, a few years until the World Cup starts. But USA does look the most primed, the most ready to go into the World Cup. And still with the squads that they have, the players that they have, with the ages that they are, and sort of, I guess the potential, if you will, the U.S. does seem to be still the most promising, despite their managerial bullshit search, if you want to even call it that. They've been they've been quite impressive, and you got to give B.J. Callaghan some credit, as you guys have been doing, uh, from what I remember last week in the BS the week. Give him a bit of credit, whether or not that's Greg Berhalter in the shadows, or if that's Callaghan himself. Uh, the U.S. looks looks very much alive, and they look um, primed to kind of continue to grow and figure out where their weak points are and try to improve on those weak points. I think you and uh, Sebastian and Spencer last week talked very much about they have a great opportunity to sort of figure out those weak points and those bottom seven, bottom eight players and who can kind of slot in and in their center backs, uh, who can sort of take charge, take the role, grow into that role and be ready for 2026. We shall see. The U.S. is, is in a good position, a good spot, if you will. Yes. Com- again, compared to the three co-hosts of the upcoming World Cup. And again, that's also just based on this Gold Cup. Uh, the USA, we'll see if Berhalter, you know, fucks with all the promise that this team has. Because this team of the U.S. and national team, like like we said, this is effectively the B team. These not all, Some of these guys might not even crack onto the full 23-player squad. Yeah. We'll get some guys who who are gonna get the call up. I'm not. I don't fancy Jesus Ferreira at all. I find him to be highly overrated. But apparently, he got back to back hat tricks against St. Kitts and Nevis and Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, and got to take that with a grain of salt. But yes, absolutely. Right. Take away from the achievement? No. But yes, like you said, take take it with a grain of salt. The player who I'm most impressed with, the players, like I said last week, Brandon Vasquez and Jordi Mikhailovic. Those have been my favorites for the USMNT at this Gold Cup. And again, Matt Turner, he doesn't have frostbite, so he's killing it in gold. What a wonder not having frostbite will do. Yeah, it's a good thing they were playing the Gold Cup in July, not January. But they did that one cup qualifier. In St. Paul, that'll give you frostbite. Trust me. They played Honduras in that qualifier, and uh, from one shit show in Canada to the one in Central America, Honduras is shit. Actually, yes. Fact, again, I can do things. Um, as a matter of fact, Honduras and Costa Rica, actually, Honduras, Costa Rica, and El Salvador, but more so Costa Rica and Honduras, they don't, they don't, they haven't been great. And again, we mentioned Costa Rica being old. Uh, talk about a team who is struggling to f- bring in the new school. Honduras is just a, is just a mess that we don't talk about here because it is Honduras. Like we're not really focused on Honduran footy like that. But Honduras is just terrible. They 
again, they lost 4 nothing to to Mexico, and that could have been a lot more. We were losing to Qatar up until the 90-plus, I want to say, 3 or 4. Six, when 90-plus 90 90 6? Yeah. When our goal getter, Albert Ellis, scored the equalizer, and he, and he cost himself his whole arm in the moment because he's out now. Yeah, that was, I mean, what I want to say about Honduras is just that it could be very critical that point, as glorious as it was, scoring in the 90 plus six, um, especially depending on tonight's results, as uh, Honduras is playing Haiti and Qatar is playing Mexico. Uh, today's results, sorry to cut you off, but today's results will be dependent on goal difference. The goal difference for Honduras is pretty pissed. It's nasty. Yeah, it's nasty. Like currently at this moment, the goal difference is minus four. Qatar's is at minus one. Honduras would either need to wash Haiti or beat Haiti and hope Mexico washes Qatar. Uh, you would hate for that incredible moment, 90 plus six to, to equal uh, Qatar in that second match uh, to be the highlight of this tournament because it's been pretty dismal for Honduras. So apart from Albert Ellis missing the rest of the Gold Cup, again, the rest of the Gold Cup could be just today. Luis Vega also got injured in the Haiti game. On top of all of that, Rubirio Castillo was suspended by CONCACAF. Talk about a Honduran team that is downsized. And it's also a team that, again, we have good players around the world. They just don't take the call-ups. Andy Nahar is a key example of this. He said he'll say he's hurt, and then he'll score goals with DC United the next day. Bruh. Like, if you just don't want to rep the national team, just say that. Just It'll be a lot swallow than you saying, yeah, I'm hurt, and then scoring against D.C. I mean, I had, by the way, a uh, former BS of the Week recipient. Remember last year when he missed a sitter or something when we had Hassan on the show? Daniel Maldonado for LAFC. I don't know what's his case. So I don't know. It's I legit do not know. And Honduras is always good on the youth level, but they, are, but they never translate to the senior team. It just never does. Yeah, I mean, it could be worse. You could be St. Kitts with a minus 14 GD. Neither here nor there. Uh, but, yeah, that's my bit on Honduras. That's my bit on the Central American teams. Uh, Guatemala is the Central American team that is lighting things up along with Panama. Yeah, they're putting the work. Panama, I think, the better of the two. Very impressive uh, showing for them in their Group C matches. But as you mentioned, El Salvador looking piss po, Costa Rica looking more the same which is allowing Martinique to kind of get in there and, and get some favorable results and do their job sitting them in second. But Panama's handling business like professionals. Absolutely. And in the final match day in Group C, Panama will play Salvador in Houston, while Martinique will play Costa Rica at Red Bull Arena. And the only reason why we're pointing that out is because, hey, man, we're racking up air miles. On location, is going to hit a, that doubleheader. Martinique versus Costa Rica and Guadalupe, Guatemala. That is actually the first match of the day. And that's actually a match I kind of am interested in seeing because they're both level on four points. It's essentially who's going to make it out the group with Canada if they do beat Cuba. So that's going to be a location match four. Fire. Uh, score alert. Honduras is down. Of course they are. Yep, as Haiti scores to make it one now. I just saw it. Ugh. Well... It's not looking so good. Not looking so good at all. We didn't have a single win in World Cup qualifiers. That's all I will say. It's been ugly. It's been very ugly. 
And all I can say is, man, I'm sorry. So, call me, buddy. So, after, so USA and Jamaica are through. Jamaica could have finished in first place, but Brandon Vasquez's sixth goal against Trinidad secured USA top spot. Uh, Trinidad and Kits are both out at this current moment in time. As we're recording, Mexico and Haiti are through to the next round. And then, of course, Match Day 3 is on Tuesday. Panama, Martinique are through at this moment. Guadalupe and Guatemala are through at this moment. But that those last two groups should easily change come Tuesday. Yeah, with all the pressure on Canada. So we'll see what they get into. Um, so before we move from Gold Cup, and I know yeah. we, we, we said who our favorites would be. And I remember us saying, like, even though we picked Canada, we had a feeling that USA would probably still win the Gold Cup. Do we still feel that way? Yeah, yeah, it's looking that way. I think it's, it, it could pan out to be um, a battle of the two, you know, uh, legendary CONCACAF sides in Mexico and U.S. and who can push forward there. We'll see, obviously, not counting Canada out quite yet, but uh, you have to be, uh, you have to assume that the United States, uh, USMNT, baby, are uh, the odds-on favorites to kind of take this cup and continue on a summer of improvement and progression in one that we thought it could be Canada. But at this moment, oof, looking funny. But uh, Jamaica. keep an eye on Mexico. Shout to Jamaica. I see Mikel Antonio with a stupid ball earlier today uh, over at uh, what used to be Candlestick Park out in San Francisco, what do they call it nowadays? Levi Stadium, where there was literally nobody in the stands, I swear to God. Literally, in little by little to see the Mexico game because that same they're playing at that same stadium and it's packed right now. Yeah, they, it was unbelievable. That might be my BS of the week. It was literally just nobody there over in Levi Stadium out in uh, the Bay Area uh, for that game. But yeah, Jamaica, I don't know. Could could happen. I don't know though. I don't know. I think you'd have to give the if if I was a betting man, I'd probably go USA with an eye on Mexico. I'm keeping an eye on Mexico. That sounds good. Um, that also pretty much takes care of our Gold Cup bit. Unless you got anything else. No, not, nothing else. But if we stick in CONCACAF, in the States, you mentioned a little bit on location with some Gold Cup action to come. Stay tuned for that. But in that same breath, staying stateside, where we don't have to worry about time difference like we will for that World Cup coming up. Keep in tune for that as well. Ronnie. All the Maryland's miles seems to be racking up. The lone MLS match of the day today, day of recording, featured a football misfit and not just any football misfit. I'm talking Mr. Misfit was down in the A for Atlanta United versus Philadelphia. Ronnie, give us a breakdown of your weekend down south in Atlanta uh, before you get into the match. I want to know how the weather was. And I want to know how the food was. You know damn well how the weather was. I've been talking about it all weekend. Uh, <laughs> your clothes are stuck to your back is what I've heard. Bruh, it's sticky. Um, it, it's been hot as hell, man. Like, I think the hottest it's been in the, these past couple of days has been 95. Ooh. Thank God for the MARTA system because it's easier to navigate. But at times where it's not, like... You know the thing, you know, shiny city on a hill? That's Atlanta because everything seems to be on some type of slope. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting observation. Interesting. And um, Park is on the slope. Nice. And that's the center point of downtown Atlanta. 
apart from that, uh, this weekend has been fun. It starts with the Atlanta Braves are playing in West Bubblefuck, Georgia. There was a fireworks show on the Saturday. Oh, uh, I went to a Chick-fil-A, and they gave me a toy cow with my meal, and I didn't even ask for it. So I'm definitely going to cherish it. But, um, absolutely. But that's not what we want to hear. We want to hear about Atlanta United versus Philadelphia Union. Yeah, man, it was, and we spoke about this briefly. All Atlanta. It was all Atlanta. Philly, sure, they might have looked good on, on occasion, but for the most part, it was Atlanta all the way. Even like, yeah, Philly ended up having more shots off, but it, it's what you do with the shots. Atlanta got two goals off of it. Thiago Almada and Brooks Lennon won in either half. Seven shots were on goal. I hate the possession statistic because, yeah, you can have more possession, but what do you do with it? Philadelphia didn't do shit with their 51%. So Atlanta did everything that they needed to the right way. Philly, it was an off day for them. Atlanta, now leapfrog Orlando in the table. They're on 32 points. They are two points behind Columbus Crew and the aforementioned Union. But FC Cincinnati remains king in the East. Yeah, I think the one takeaway, especially for you, Tiago Almada, how good he really is. Oh, he's so good. And, and it's interesting to see, and you mentioned this off the pot, of course, how things can shake up in the MLS in terms of uh, the matches that you play and the points that you have on the board. But at the beginning of the season, I really had high hopes for Atlanta just off the strength of the World Cup winner Almada. He is a monster. And there's not much else to say about that. He didn't see the field at all in the World Cup. In MLS, he is that guy. Facts. I mean, he does it all and just looks, and I'm sure it was a, it was a beauty to be able to see him uh, in person from where he was sitting. Uh, he was far away. <laughs> Ronnie was in the sky box, up in the sky. Bro, that is the highest press box I've ever been to. And I'm trying to think of how many press boxes I've been to. Yeah, that was pretty high up. But, um, hey, man, it... And they kind of cater it to the NFL. But that's neither here nor there. Thiago Almada only has eight goals to his name this season. So he has been in a little bit of a of a slump. But games like this definitely pick it up. His pass accuracy is one of the best of the current top scorers. Well, his teammate, let's see if I can pronounce that name right. Giacoumakis. Ah, said it right. The Greek forward. He went down injured. But yeah, it was a total team effort for Atlanta. Everyone played played a hell of a game for United. Up the 17s, if you will. Atlanta United 2, Philadelphia Union, none. And again, great experience. Soccer in the South. You hear what people say about, oh, soccer in the South is king. I'm like, I've experienced both Charlotte and Atlanta. Thumbs is facts. Oh, wow. Now, with that... With that match, I mean, watching it from from uh, at home, as you mentioned, it it definitely felt similar to what it must have looked like inside the stadium. But uh, talk to give us a little rundown of how it felt in the in the park. We know Atlanta gets crazy for their footy, and that stadium looked as packed as I've seen any stadium um, this season. So Atlanta, they play at the Mercedes Benz Stadium. So again, speaking of things on a slope, um, the the stadium takes about a good, I want to say 70, 80,000. But usually what they do for Atlanta United games, unless it's like a marquee game, like a season opener, or when Messi pulls up, they'll open up the upper level. They didn't do that today, though. But 
regardless of that, they don't need the upper level to bring in 43,000 plus. And that is a hell of a turnout. And Atlanta always gets those turnouts whenever they play, be it if they ask or not. Like Atlanta United in recent seasons haven't been the best. They've not been the Atlanta since the Atlanta United that they were when they first joined the league and then winning the league the next season after that. But it's still an Atlanta United. Like the, the fan base is there. They love United. I felt that. <laughs> and it was it was very, very, very I guess numbing to feel the whole ATL chance and stuff like that. Uh they love their footy down here, man. The atmosphere was great. We love some down south footy. We know they get crazy. You yourself, Ronnie, Mr. Misfits, have been down on location in the south. Um, the one misfit down south for us uh, in Charlotte and Atlanta, and both of them seem to have at least given you, I mean, funny enough, it's your second time seeing Atlanta, but both of them, both of the cities seem to have shown you some love, shown you some of that Southern hospitality, and shown you some of that football passion that we at the Misfits love to see. Yeah, Atlanta won both games. They won the game in Charlotte, and they won today against Philly. Atlanta is a place where we have to, we have to hit up Atlanta more often, man. They, it, it, they just love the footy down here. It, it's a great environment. It's a great, it, it's a great sports town. Period. And beyond that, it's a great city. The people are, you know, I don't want to say the best because you know there are some assholes but that you get that with everything but everything everything is good uh i've never had like the head of like the media department or the person giving out credentials physically come up to me shake my hand say how am i doing like wanting to know what it is that we do johannes i think that's his name uh schneider of atlanta united he did that i wasn't expecting that but he did that. He approached me. I'm like, oh, it's nice meeting you, good guy. I had like a little good two-minute conversation. It was great. They, they do everything they can to make you feel home. Uh, and I guess that's what Southern hospitality is all about. With that being said, Football Misfits on Location, brought to you by absolutely nobody, will be continuing on this week and throughout the summer. Again, if you're counting, that's Mr. Misfits himself uh, down south in Atlanta, uh, watching Atlanta United versus Philadelphia at the Mercedes-Benz. Oof, beautiful, beautiful stadium. Goodness gracious. Oh, beautiful, oh, beautiful stadium. The concessions are pretty good priced. How much How much is a glizzy at a sporting event in New York? No no less than $15. Well, we're looking at about four or five. Jeez, look at that. Now that is Southern hospitality. How much is a cheeseburger? No less than $18. We're looking at seven. Beautiful. beautiful. We got to get out of New York more, I'll be honest. <laughs> Um, but yes, uh, we have to hit up Atlanta again. And uh, the Footy Misfits on tour in the South, if all goes well, we'll be continuing. We'll, uh, we're not going to announce anything because we don't have anything finalized yet. But there is a certain venue that we might go to. It might be a little obscure because I don't think I've ever seen like top level footy in this southern city. But if it happens, we will we will tell you. And this is only just the beginning. We are going to go to many places. We've had Benza hold us down in Europe. Uh, we'll probably have more European ones. Summer 2024 should be interesting. Uh, you guys know, but we're not going to spoil anything yet. But uh, yeah, on location, this is just a little mini, this is just a taste of, you know, the end goal, if you will. Boom, pow. We love that. 
Um, but moving on, I mean, we've covered the Gold Coast. We've covered all the stateside stuff as we do on, you know, this fine summer 2023. Um, now, can we call out Spencer for talking about Dominic Slobosai and Liverpool not having money? Yeah, from what I remember, I think Spencer called him Big D. Shout out to Big D Slobosai, the Hungarian, uh, not into Barbarian. Uh, headed over to Liverpool, their second midfield signing of the summer. Very impressive signing. A lot of money spent on that. Spencer, your thoughts? I mean, he looks to be a very good player um, from the profile. And uh, I'm kind of listening more to, to the Liverpool podcast. Shout out to the Liverpool podcast. Um, just kind of getting some more information and watching some highlight reels. He seems to be a very, very, very good player that will fit the system well. Um, someone that... Hopefully, Jurgen Klopp can have him perform at the best of his ability. Um, it seemed rather fast uh, and kind of like we were talking about how transfers kind of drag out and it feels like a whole transfer saga. It was good to see that um, it was 24 hours in and out and it was done. Um, yeah, where do you think they got the money from? Um, I don't know how they did it. I think sometimes, because I don't know, so, well, like soccer transfers can always be very complicated, uh, being that sometimes they're spread out in payments. Um, sometimes it's a loan from a bank. Sometimes it comes straight from a club. Um, so I, I have no idea where the money came from. But for it to go through as quickly as it went through, um, you'd have to infer that maybe um, they got some backing from somewhere because a lot of the talk with FSG is always kind of like financial restraints with um, how you do certain things. Um, players going in, players coming out, um, money coming in, different areas like that and kind of reasonably... Uh, working the transfer budget so that they're not input in any uh, unsustainable or have any conflicting um, anything that will negatively affect the club. So I guess for oh. that money to have come out, I, I don't know where it came from, but it could be uh, kind of the same way transfers are going before. I don't know if Leipzig wanted a payment in full. Um, it could be installments. I have no idea. All that to say that they're not really broke. Uh Again, I just go off what I hear, and it's always talking about like financial constraints and having to do things in a certain way, being limited, um, this, that. So it's kind of what I, what we see on the Liverpool chats. So yes, that's Liverpool getting a piece. I think it really helps them out. I think so too. I think it'll be a great player for them. Um, solidifies the midfield where that was such a huge kind of thing last summer. I mean, last year, last season, just for. The midfield is rough. I did for the Alexis McAllister signing. Liverpool midfield, like you said, it's starting to shape up. I feel like they're they should be okay, assuming that the midfielder that they already had come back healthy and 100. percent But we all know things aren't always meant to be as such. But I asked you this before. I want to know who who else removing all the price tags and everything like that. What midfielder would you see join Liverpool or who you would want to see join Liverpool? Uh, a nice one would have been Jude Bellingham, but he now played for Real Madrid. Um, Who's available? Obviously not Bellingham. I know. Um, I don't know. Because this name kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, there were links with him before, but it kind of just came and was done. Um, Callister, there were links. Um, there's that young midfielder in, who plays for Southampton, and Liverpool love a Southampton player from Virgil to Sadio Mane. They also love Leipzig players too. When we think yeah. about so having a lot of Leipzig pieces in recent in recent years. Yeah, because what is it? Sadio Mane is like a, a long term Leipzig player, but Sadio Mane uh, wasn't Konate from Leipzig. If I'm not wrong, I think it was from Leipzig too. 
Eboo. I think it's from Leipzig. So yeah, there's like a Leipzig connection. Yeah, yeah. Leipzig. <laughs> so I mean, um, we pick up some players from there. Uh, hopeful that he's he remains healthy and he plays well, and you kind of wish him the best of luck in this next step of his career. And it's exciting. So we'll see. Current Gold Cup updates: Qatar are leading Mexico, one nothing. They're just about to reach the halftime mark. And in Charlotte, Honduras have equalized against Haiti. They're also reaching the uh, halftime interval. So at this current moment in time, Honduras are still bottom of the table, and the equalizer brings Haiti back down to third, Qatar in second with this result. Sticking to the transfers, who else has made a move in recent weeks, days even? I mean, solidified that, is Timmy Weah to Timothy Weah to Juve. How do you feel about that? Oh, you're asking me. Um, <laughs> I like it. I like it. The last time there was a Weah in Serie A, there was a Ballon d'Or winner attached to it. I'm not saying Timothy Weah is going to win the Ballon d'Or, but I think that's a very good player that Juventus is picking up. My thing is, he's a young player. I just want him to get the minutes, and maybe the goal output will come with it. I that's what I would like to see. I love this signing. How do you think he'll do in in Italy? Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of his. Um, I'm hopeful he he excels. He plays well. Um, I'm not sure he's he's had to kind of bounce from club to club for the past few years. So hopefully he finds kind of a home there, and he's able to perform well and kind of just enjoy his time there. So I'm just hopeful he has a, a good spell at Juve. Uh, a good extended spell. Yes. I mentioned the last time it was a where in Italy, he won the Ballon d'Or. The last time it was an American at Juve, it didn't really work out. Um, so was that I Weston feel like McKinney? Weston McKinney. Yeah. I, I think this will be different, though. I'm, I'm hopeful, of course. That Weston McKinney will be a better... I mean, that Tim Weah would be a good product for Juventus. Uh, the rumor was that Christian Pulisic was... Uh, talks with Juventus, but now that's then shifted to AC Milan. Uh, any other confirmed transfers that stand up to you? Um, Kai Havertz to Arsenal. Kai Havertz to Arsenal. I really want to know what the gentrified Gunnar has to say to that. I think with Arsenal, you they're probably just you got to keep building on what they did last year, so you just got to keep bringing in better players, and I think probably that helps. Kai Havertz uh, is one of the Chelsea fire sales happening. Uh, Edward Mendy's in Saudi Arabia. Yep. And then Mason Mount. Mason Mount's gone to Manchester United. Bulabali. What do you think of that saga, though? Uh, Mason, Mason Mount. Um, I don't know, because I thought he was, like, he had the, the, the aura around him gave off, like, a, a long-term Chelsea guy. He gave off, like, a, a Frank Lampard. John Terry, he definitely, he definitely in. into like the academy and stuff. Yeah, like came from the academy. He was kind of going to be a long-term player, but I don't know. Some along the way, I guess they must have just fell out. I'm not sure. It's not officially official yet. I don't think it's officially official, but I think it's Mr. Mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, we already mentioned uh, also going to Saudi Arabia and Golokante. Uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek made his move to AC Milan. Uh, and we already mentioned last week, Mateo Kovacic gone to Man City. Mr. Here We Go announced it. This was it, I think, four hours ago, or maybe. 
I'm not sure. That might be, you could remove that, I'm not sure. But I think it's, it's most likely been spoken about. Mason Mount to Manchester United, is that, a, is that official? Yeah, I believe it's just about official, except for the club itself announcing it. Fabrizio Romano, as we know, Mr. Here We Go, as Spencer said, did say that. Uh, he did, right? I didn't make that up. Like yeah, that's, that's been announced for a couple, I'd say a few days, at least two days um, this past week. 60 million, I think, pounds seems to be the asking price, which I definitely had was harping on for a little bit. But I, I don't know. I mean, the game has increased, as we've talked about. We talked about Declan Rice to Arsenal for all that money, the English tax or what have you. But um, Oh, yeah, Declan Rice. We didn't even mention Declan Rice. Yeah, Declan Rice over to Arsenal for 100-plus million. Uh, West Ham, the owner, the past owners of West Ham, I saw a bunch of stuff over the week. They sold the club for 92 million West Ham, the old owners, and they, you know, West Declan Rice now sold for 100 plus, uh, which just need to compare it is pretty insane. But again, on Mason Mount, yeah, I think to United, it's pretty much a done deal, according to sources and Fabrizio Romano and other folks that have been reporting and Spencer. I think it's, a, I think it's, a, I think Eric Ten Hag will do good with a, a midfielder like Mason Mount, you know. I, I was really struggling with the price, but then just thinking about players that have gone for that amount, it's not as crazy as I initially felt. I know I, I had some strong reactions to it when I first saw it, but I don't know if it's as crazy as I thought, just looking at what players are going for. Were you um, surprised that he left? I, 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 a little bit, Spencer. I think that's a great question. You know, he's a Chelsea product and, you know, he basically grew up with the club. But in the same breath, in his short tenure there, he's been through so much winning the Champions League, you know, being, you know, in those heights and also being at super lows like this past season, you know, so he's kind of dealt with an entire career's worth at Chelsea in just a few short, you know, years. He's done it all. Not done it all, but he's done a great amount. So I can definitely see, you know, him being there in his entire life and then now considering a move to United. And, and I feel like the idea of moving to quote unquote rivals, I'm not saying Chelsea United are the hugest of rivals, but the idea of moving to rivals in the Premier League doesn't seem as sacrilegious as it used to, unless they're direct, direct rivals. Yeah, um, so it's not like if Ty Havertz went to Spurs, he went yeah, to Arsenal. But even then, that's still a bit of a, a, a rivalry enough to where you kind of like, hmm. Right, right. It, 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 it's a little weird to see him go from blue to red just like that. You know, because uh, we, as, as us growing up, you know, seeing Chelsea really compete against Man United and being a, a mainstay in the Premier League and United sort of not being that in their fall off and now both teams sort of having a period of fall off. You know, Chelsea has been the more recently successful um, for them, to, for him, for Mount to go straight to United. Uh, it, it is a little funny to look at, but in the day and age that we live in, uh, not so much. Are you, what do you guys think about the figure? Everybody's reporting 60 million pounds. Is that crazy? Was I overreacting to start? I think I'm sort of cooling down on it, but what do you guys think of that? I don't know. I think it seems okay. I mean, because didn't James Madison to Spurs go for like a similar number? I mean, a, a less, but like close-ish. Yeah, uh, and I think it also kind of looks at looks differently in terms of like maybe Madison's contract situation, Leicester's uh, relegation situation, and I think uh, Spurs also sent uh, Harry Winks over to Leicester for ten million. So it was sort of like Spurs kind of paid thirty million all in all if you count Harry Winks going there, um, which is significantly less. For a player who's a bit older than Mount, um, I'm not certain you can say that he's more accomplished, but he definitely is more established in the Premier League in terms of James Madison. Mount, obviously, with the up, still the upside and has the accolades. 
Madison. I feel like last season, going on last season alone, if I had to choose between Madison or Mount, I would go Madison. Yeah, but that's not how any of this works. Wait, should work. It should work. Like, who was the better player last season? We we should get him in, and we should pay a premium fee for it. Mason Mount, I don't think is worth them that much, but this is the market we live in. You know, we all talk about what we expect and what should happen, um, but you know, the the most recent what have you done for me lately? The most recent uh, sale sort of can dictate how the market goes. I want to be that guy though. Please be that guy, because how do things work? So, like you say, like yes, we'll have James Madison, but then, of course, soccer is a team game. But James Madison is also part of a team that is now not in the prep. Very true. Leeds Leicester were relegated. You're right. In the same breath, Spencer. Um, Southampton, who has a bunch of talent and has also been relegated, is quoting some of their best players at ridiculous numbers, depending on how you look at it. Because they were relegated, you'd assume that maybe. Well, even, though, control, even though Southampton were relegated, I kind of still want James Ward Prowse on my team. Absolutely. And same with Lavia, same with Livramento. And they're quoting them at 60 million plus, 70 million plus. Like those guys are going for not small numbers and a lot of. Oh, yeah, because they're young, though, I think. Because a lot of, well, except James Ward Prowse. But yeah, he's like, but he's still going for a lot of money. Madison himself is not, you know, he's not the oldest. I don't, is he, is he over 25, 26? I think he's 26. But like Mason Mount has played for England, James Madison. Has, I don't know if he's played for England that much. Yeah, yeah they, uh, that's really like a uh, "What have you done for me lately?" kind of crew, huh? Um, Mason Mount. I, I know. I know that Madison has about three caps for England. Mason Mount has thirty-six caps for England. I got the for you right now. I mean, thirty-six uh, allegedly. Yeah, according to Wait. Wikipedia. So James has three. Yeah. But you can get into the nitty gritty of it all. I mean, and it all could depend on their contracts. I'm not very familiar with James Madison's contract situation. Obviously, the Leicester being relegated thing is a caveat that can have an impact. And this you is know, Mason Mount's last year, too. So he was in the last year of his contract. So you'd have to think he's probably worth more. You got to ship him out for something. Yeah, you got got him on the cheap. Some money out for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm absolutely not. You know, you like I said, you can harp on this, the numbers. Like with James Madison, uh, over the last five seasons, he's been top four in or top five in goals contributions, or goals and assists, if you will, behind only you know the big numbers in, in Kevin De Bruyne, Harry Kane, Mo Salah, Bruno Fernandez. No, James Madison's amazing, but just remember, like except for last year, there was like a a build up for Mason Mount. Like he was just like the one, the next one. Yeah, Ma- Mason like, Mount. Similar to like the magic that's around like Phil Foden. Um, yeah. Jude Bellingham's kind of like taking that from like with the young players, but there was like a magic when they spoke yeah. about those players and Mason Mount was like in that same conversation. Absolutely. Even going back into Frank Lampard's first era in Chelsea, he was kind of the the new golden boy. And he obviously was the Chelsea product, like you mentioned earlier. Um, so Mount just definitely has that. And he's got class as well, let's be honest. Um, if, if we look at their individual seasons, Madison, obviously with Leicester, they had a terrible season, but he himself, um, you know, very high in, in the numbers of forward passes, again, in goal contributions and things like that nature. Um, but Mason Mount ain't no slouch either. But at the end of the day, we're just kind of talking semantics, 30, 40 million for 60 million, whatever. Yeah. They're both highly... Right. We've yeah. unpacked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Liverpool's spending the big bucks. Not whoa, whoa. Not there. That boy's rich over there. Ronnie, right? Liverpool got no, there. it's here and there. <laughs> Here and there, Liverpool got money. Spencer doesn't want to admit it. Spencer knows where that's coming from, if anything. Liverpool is trying to be like, I'm trying to get like you, fam, spending 70 million. 
Let me get some of that money, bro. Fake broke. Maybe an album. He Actually, is you. Like Liverpool, go get a shape up. You know you got the money for it. Stop being cheap. Anyway. You are. I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, any other high profile or big uh, sort of transfers that we talk about um, that happened that I that I didn't that I wasn't here for uh, that I might have missed. Um, How do you feel about Declan Rice? If that's official, official. That's all. I think I feel like they've been talking about it for a while. I think Declan Rice to, to Arsenal, I think, is a, is a very good signing. I think the West Ham was in a position to uh, put City and Arsenal in a bit of a bidding war and just kind of cook them on the price. I'm not certain that, you know, it should have went for that high, but that is what it is. 105 million pounds is pretty big. You have to assume, um, you know, that's got to put a lot of pressure on Rice himself. But Arsenal could do some bolstering in the midfield. They are a team that had a wonderful season and are looking to improve on their wonderful season by adding pieces that will help and also adding depth, which is something that they definitely need when you're competing with a team like Man City, Spencer, as you very well know, um, you know, supporting Liverpool in that fashion. Um, so I think it's, it's a good pick of all intents and purposes. But the question is, what do they do with the rest of the midfield? Is Thomas Partey going to stay? If that's not the case, does that is it a like for like swap? Um, you know, it's some things to think about. And how they're going to go with their midfield. So it's a great, it's a really good signing. I can't call it a wonderful signing, but I think it's a really good signing if things work out for them in the rest of the window. But we shall see. It's, it's still, you know, early July, long time to go until the transfer window closes. So we shall see. It's a good pickup. A lot of money spent on them, though. Sucks. That's all I got. What do you guys think of what gets to Inter Miami, allegedly? There's, everyone's going into Miami, bro. <laughs> Are we going into Miami? Miami Biscuits? With those ticket Miami. prices? Where right. everybody goes? <laughs> Into Miami. I, I love my organs enough. I don't want to go to into Miami for that price. I just heard a rumor today about Sergio Ramos is maybe looking to go there. Oh no! Ew! I can't see Messi playing with Ramos, but we already see it happen. It's so weird. Yeah, they play together on PSG. Well, and into Miami, they did uh, bring in Tata Martino to be their new manager. Definitely a team that's trying to be built for Messi. I have an MLS transfer that I kind of found. I kind of fancied. I want to get your thoughts on this LV. Timu Puki to Minnesota United. Big, 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 big pickup for the good boys over there in Minnesota uh, in the cold tundra. Timu Puki, I think, who can be a lethal striker. He just needs to sort of keep up the consistency. We haven't seen him do that in the Premier League for quite some time. Consistency and health. Yeah, and, and health as well. Great, great point, great point. Obviously, you know, he's 33 years of age now. I think it's a great place for him to settle in, in the MLS. Uh, he's obviously from Finland, so he can deal with a bit of cold, neither here nor there. Um, I think I think it's a great pickup for Minnesota. When, when Minnesota has a good striker, and I'm thinking, uh, going back to my Sierra Leonean man's, Ty Kamara that played over there, you know, it's a really good situation to kind of find yourself in. And with a lethal finisher like Timo Puki, which he is, a great finisher, uh, no doubt about that. I think he can do great things, even at that big age in the MLS. So I'm, I'm think it's a, I think it's a good pickup for Minnesota. I'm excited about that. I was excited for you when I heard the news. It's one of those under the radar signings. I feel like yes, and Minnesota are is never going to get the likes of a Messi. If a, if Ramos does come to MLS, he's never going to go to Minnesota United. Yeah. So I, this is a good move for the team. Minnesota in a good direction. It's not like the sexiest of names like a Messi or a Busquets, but it's probably going to get the job done for Minnesota. Maybe get them into the playoffs if they're not already in a playoff spot. All that to say, Poogie to Minnesota, love it. Yeah, ultimately, I think it's, it's a good pick, like you said, uh, and we shall see what happens, making the MLS all the more interesting. 
Um, and, you know, something that I think hopefully the world can sort of tune more into as things stand. And it seems to be going in that direction as well. The MLS continues to pick up. We're picking up more international talent and it's making the game something more worth following. Let's not bury ourselves too much into the transfer uh, window. Obviously, it's going to continue on until the summer's over. Plenty more to talk about. Obviously, a lot of these key signings that we're going to dive into and continue to dive into as things stand. Uh, club football should make its return in just under, you know, just under over a month, obviously, with a lot of friendlies. A lot of them here stateside as well. Stay tuned for that, potentially. Um, but if there is nothing else on the cards, I'm looking at my watch, and it really stinks. So that means one thing, huh? It means one thing. What could it mean, Ovi? Ooh, BS of the week time, the best time of the week. Somebody dropped that Ronald Coleman. Nobody's doing like what some journalists do when they write bullshit. Wow, you are afraid to say it. If it's all bullshit stories, what is it? Most of the times, it's uh, it's bullshit. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> time. Brought to you by nobody else but the football misfits. Let's get right into it. For me, I've got one BS of the week. I kind of alluded to it uh, earlier, and it's a light one, but watching uh, Jamaica play in the Gold Cup uh, earlier this afternoon on Sunday, day of recording against St. Kitts and uh, Nevis, who, as I've mentioned, had a minus 14 goal differential after a 5-0 thumping uh, at the hands of Jamaica at Levi Stadium in San Francisco where the 49ers play. San Francisco, that is a very bad look on your guys' part in terms of your footy uh, enjoyment or maybe your Caribbean enjoyment, if you will. Because uh, we, we peep the play. They're all they're all showing up for the Mexico game. We peep the play. It happens all the time. Even when the U.S. plays, it yeah, happens all the time. Be that as it may, you got free com competitive CONCACAF footy. That I'm saying, I'm saying, that's what it is. Yeah, that may not be attractive to most. But damn, watch you some uh, Mikel Antonio. You know, go ahead and watch you some Leon Bailey. Goodness gracious. It, it felt like you could count the amount of people in that stadium by hand, literally by hand. And like you said, a few hours later when Mexico came to play, there was not a seat left to be sat in. Fierce the week. Come on, guys. Come on, y'all. Uh, if we're going to stick to footy in North America, uh, I kind of want to give BS of the week to the fact that the U.S. are playing... Uzbekistan and Oman in September uh, international break. Oh, wow. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? Uh, of the two teams, I would probably keep Uzbekistan. I don't know why they're playing those two teams, though, because with all due respect, the U.S. should be running the table against those two. Uzbekistan and Oman. In fairness to the U.S. men's national team, Uzbekistan, in particular, did qualify for the upcoming... Oh, they both did. Uh, Uzbekistan and Oman, they both qualified for the upcoming Asia Cup, which is going to take place in Qatar. But 
in the same breath, you could have played South Korea in this international window coming up in September. And to say, oh, no, we couldn't. Bullshit, because they're playing Wales in a friendly in September. Why couldn't you play South Korea? Or Japan. Let's take a look at Japan. Who they have coming up in the September window. Japan, they are playing Germany and Turkey. I, I would play I would play Japan or Turkey if I were the US. Or let, let's let's go to Australia. Oh, they don't have September matches. But that's that's more reason for the US to have scheduled Australia. They could have scheduled Australia for the September window. But no. Uh, in fairness, they are playing both Germany and Ghana in October here in the States. But why Uzbekistan and Oman? This is pretty much giving Greg Berhalter a layup in his first matches back. Toddling the manager. Which, again, I'd hate the decision. But yes, BS of the Week. The United States Soccer Federation has a staff record label. International match fixture scheduler and MF crew. I think you said it best, coddling the manager. Throw that man in some fire. Let them play the Monstars. You scared, Turkey. bro. Turkey. Play Turkey. Play South Korea. Play Japan. They got smoked by Japan in a pre-World Cup friendly. And that's why they want to see Japan again. Yeah, the U.S. don't want to All due respect. Neither here nor there. Maybe, hopefully, in a couple of years. But not at the moment. Absolutely well said. BS of the week. Um, any shout outs from the both of you guys before we sign things off? Uh, for me, again, shout out to the city of Atlanta. Shout out to everyone at the Atlanta United Communications for helping make this on location possible. And again, for even taking the time to get to know us. Yes, uh, we love that. We love some Southern hospitality. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play. We ride like this like every day. Stop playing. <laughs> yeah. shout, out, shout out to Jermaine Dupree. Shout out to Ronnie. Shout out to Atlanta United. Shout out to their uh, press officers. Shout out to Southern Hospitality. Shout out to Ludicrous. <laughs> um, Spencer, any shout outs on your end? Uh, shout out to Sus Fabregas. Uh, I think he has officially retired and he's uh, now at the leave coaching. But shout out to Sus Fabregas and wish him luck in all his endeavors. An amazing, amazing player. Pretty much just watched him shine from like when he was a kid at Arsenal, just cooking, coming onto the scene, bursting onto the scene, like uh, Michael Richards would say, just absolute baller. So shout out to him, and I uh, hope he has a very enjoyable retirement. Well said. Big shout out to Seth Fabregas. I personally enjoyed him a lot more when he was at Chelsea, but neither here nor there. A great footballer all around. A wonderful career. A decorated player. And a hell of a footballer. I've got a shout out as well. That's um, I want to give a shout out to the Minnesota Vikings wide receiver. My main man, Justin Jefferson, hanging out with uh, Vinny Jr. in Rio de Janeiro, I believe. Uh, recently, uh, Vinny Jr. was seen in football pads and helmet. I, all I want to say is, Vinny, get your ass up out of them pads. Do not get hit by a linebacker. <laughs> it's a lot worse than getting tackled by a center back, I promise you. But that being said, Vinny did have Justin, Je Justin Jefferson at a uh, Flamingo game and uh, had him rocking the Flamingo jersey, and it just looked like a good time. Vinny making a stateside tour, doing his thing. We saw him in the playoffs, in the NBA playoffs. He's hanging with the NFL big dogs. We love to see that. Big shout out to Justin Jefferson and my man Vinny Jr. On that note, uh, Tyreek Hill wanted to challenge Messi to a race. Messi don't know who that man is for the life of him. Now, wait, the question is who's more famous in, in South Florida, Tyreek Hill or Lionel Messi? Lionel Messi. It's not even close, is it? 
Not even close. Mm -mm. <laughs> There's only one football. There's only one football. All care. <laughs> all right, with that, before we get into a beef with all the NFL fans before the season kicks off, Ronnie, do you want to go ahead and sign us off? Hey, man. Let's do it. Thank you all for listening to the latest episode of the Football Misfits podcast. We thank you all for listening and interacting with us on socials at Footy Misfits on the Instagram. Thank you all for following the On Location series. The fact that we've been getting this far. You know how many unlocations we've done? A fuck lot. And we're going to do a fuck lot more thanks to y'all. Do catch me at the Red Bull Arena on Tuesday for the Gold Cup doubleheader. Again, Guatemala, Guadalupe, and Costa Rica, Martinique. Um, and the next episode of the Funny Misfits is right around the corner. So for Spencer and LV, I go by the name of Ronnie. We will see you next time. Stay strong, be brave, and adios. Woohoo! <laughs>